Hi guys, welcome to the last episode of the Demetrius Rujo show until Christmas. As you can tell, there's only two more days left and I do have a special, special gift coming in exactly two days from now. That is an actual bonus show this Sunday, Christmas, which is December 25th. So stay tuned for that. But without further ado, we're going to be talking about the Twitter files, every single one of the Twitter files. So buckle up and join me while we talk about this. Without further ado, let's begin. I got facts over facts over tracks. This and that spitting slow, spitting fast. I could roast, I could gas, think I'm okay at last. But I don't know if that can erase all the past. What really happened with the Hunter Biden story, suppression by Twitter, will be published on Twitter at 5 p.m. EST. Then a couple a couple hours later, we see that Matt Tubby tweets the thread, which I will also link down below, and it reads, number one, thread, the Twitter files. We are about to read in the first installment of a series based upon thousands of internal documents obtained by sources at Twitter. The Twitter files tell an incredible story from inside one of the world's largest and most influential social media platforms. It is a Frankenstein tale of a human-built mechanism grown out of the control of its designer. Twitter, in its conception, was a brilliant tool for enabling instant mass communication, making a true real-time global conversation possible for the first time. In its early conception, Twitter more than lived up to its mission statement, giving people, quote, the power to create and share ideas and information instantly without barriers. As it progressed, however, the company was slowly forced to add these barriers. Some of the first tools for controlling speech were designed to combat the likes of spam and financial fraudsters. Slowly, over time, Twitter staff and executives began to find more and more uses of these tools. Outsiders began partitioning the company to manipulate speech as well, first a little, then more often than constantly. By 2020, requests from connected actors to delete tweets were routine. One executive would write to another, more to review from the Biden team, then the reply would come back, handle. This is an internal document showing exactly what Twitter wrote. All these links, one, two, three, four, and five, all of these different accounts, the Biden team is sending Twitter internally these tweets to ban on their platform. Celebrities and, and unknowns alike could be removed or re reviewed at the behest of a political party. Twitter wrote, I grabbed the first one under SI, defer to safety in the high profile second one. On, on Saturday, they wrote an additional report from DNC, and these are two more tweets. Both parties had access to these tools. For instance, in 2020, requests from both the Trump White House and the Biden campaign were viewed and honored. However, the system wasn't balanced. It was based on contact because Twitter was and is overwhelmingly staffed by people of one political orientation. There were more channels, more ways to complain open to the left, well Democrats, than to the to the right. So, in the cycle 2022, a total of $185,267 came from all of these Democrats and Republicans. The total number, the per total percentage of Democrats that donated to this was 99.73%. The total percentage of Republicans, 0.27%. In 2020, the total of $968,749 came from 98.47% Democrats and 1.53% Republicans. In 2018, $309,394 came from 96.38% Democrats and 3.62% 
content Republicans. The resulting slant in a content moderation decisions is visible to the documents you're about to read. However, it's also an assessment of multiple current and former high-level executives. Okay, there was more to throat clearing about the process, but screw it, let's jump forward. The Twitter Files Part 1, How and Why Twitter Blocked the Hunter Biden Laptop Story, Number 17. On October 14, 2020, the New York Post published Biden's secret emails and exposed a based on concepts of the Hunter Biden abandoned laptop. Twitter took extraordinary steps to suppress the story, removing links and posting warnings that it might be unsafe. They even blocked its transmission via direct message, a tool reserved for extreme cases, example, child pornography. Number 19. White House spokesperson Kyla was locked out of her account for tweeting about the story, prompting a furious letter from Trump campaign staffer Mike Halem, who seethed at least pretend to care for the next 20 days. So, this was on October 14, 2020 at 7.19pm. She was banned. All she And then they say, all she did was cite the story and first-hand reporting that has been reported for, by other outlets and not disputed by the Biden campaign. I need an answer, answer immediately on when slash how she will be unblocked. I also do not appreciate how nobody on this team called me regarding this news that you will be censoring news articles. Like I said, at least pretend to care for the next 20 days. This led public policy executive Catherine Storm to send out a polite what WTF query. Several employees noted that there was tension between the comms po slash policy teams who had little slash less control over moderation in the safety team safety slash trust teams hi team are we able to take a closer look here thank you this was the email sent internally number 21 storm's note returned to the answer that the laptop story has been removed for a violation of the company's hacked materials policy this is from elgin soreto in ops analyst global escalations team so hi catherine thanks for reaching out to us Per checking, the user was bounced by site integrity by for violating our hacked materials policy. Adding them here for further insights and guidance. Thanks. Number 22. Although several sources recalled hearing about a general warning from federal law enforcement that summer about possible foreign hacks, there's no evidence that I've seen of any government involvement in the laptop story. In fact, that might have been the problem. 23. The decision was made at the highest levels of the company, but without the knowledge of the CEO, Jack Dorsey. With former head of legal policy and trust, Bija Via Gade, playing a key role. Number 24. They just freelanced it, is how one former employee categorized the decision. Hacking was an excuse, but within a few hours, pretty much everyone released that wasn't going to hold, but no one had any guts to reverse it. Number 25. You can see that the conclusion in the following lengthy exchange, which ends up including Gate and former trust and safety chief Yul Roth, Commons official Trenton Kennedy writes, I'm struggling to understand the policy basis for marking this material as unsafe. So in 2020, this was October 14, 2020, New York Post Hunter Biden laptop Article Privilege and Confidential. Our teams continue to investigate the origins of the material enclosed in the reporting. 
Trenchin Kennedy. I'm struggling to understand the policy basis for marking this as unsafe. I think the best explanation argument for this extremely extraordinary would be that we're waiting to understand if the story will result of hacked material. We'll face hard questions on this if we don't have some kind of solid reasoning for marking this link as unsafe. Then Trenton Kennedy CCs all of these people at Twitter and then Caddy, which is one of the people that was CC'd says, will we also mark similar stories as unsafe? And then they posted an article from Fox News about the reporting on the committee on this Hunter Biden laptop story. Number 26. By this point, everyone knew that this was effed up, said one former employee. But the response was essentially to err the, the side of continuing to err. Yoel wrote, The policy basis is hacked materials, though, as discussed, this is an emerging situation where the facts remain unclear. Given the severe risks here and lessons of 2016, we're erring on the side of including a warning in preventing this content from being amplified. What is the warning that will come up? New. When you click on the link, you'll see the genetic unsafe URL message. References, spam, malware, and violations the, of the Twitter rules. Not ideal, but it's the only thing we have. New. Whatever we do in the comments, this will became, become the basis claim of for Jack pre-hearing immediately. Let's make it clear. We're proactively but cautiously intercepting this, though the lens of our hacked materials policy and allowing the link with a warning and significant re reduction of speed. Number 27, former VP of Global Commons, Brendan Boren asked, can we truthfully claim that this is part of the policy? I.e., as part of our approach addressing poten potentially hacked materials, we are limiting visibility on related stories on Twitter while our investigation is ongoing. Number 28, to former Deputy General Counsel Jim Baker, again, seems to advise saying the non-course because caution is warranted. I support the conclusion that we need more facts to assess whether the materials were hacked. At this stage, however, it is reasonable for us to assume that they have been made then and caution is warranted. There are some facts that indicate that these materials have been hacked, while there are others inciting that the computer was either abandoned and or the owner consented to allow the reports shop to access it for at least some purposes. We simply need more information. But again, this is what people are not saying. Who is the Twitter team to allow the people to speak on something? Who is the Twitter team to allow or not allow something on their platform? You need to see if it's misinformation or not. Shut up and let the facts come out. You need to allow speech to happen. And if it comes out that it's fake, then it comes out that it's fake. It does not matter. It's not, it does not rely on you to suppress information. This just getting is getting me a, a lot annoyed. Number 29, a fundamental problem with the tech companies and content moderation. Many people in charge of speech know slash care little about speech and have been told the basis of the outsiders to wit. In one humor, humorous exchange on day one, Democratic Congressman Ro Kana reaches out to Gabe to gently suggest she hop on the phone to talk about the backlash free speech. Karma, Karmana was the only Democratic official I could find in the files who, exposed, who expressed concern. Generating huge backlash on Hillary's speech. Happy to chat if you're up to it. Best row sent from my iPhone. 
Gladi replies quickly, immediately diving into the weeds of Twitter policy, unaware Karma is more worried about the Bill of Rights. Hi, Congressman Karma. Thank you for reaching out, and we appreciate the heads up. We put out clarifying thread of tweets earlier in this evening to explain our policy around the posting of private information and linking directly to hacked materials. The press's secretary account was not permanently suspended. We've requested that she delete the tweet com containing material that is in violation of our rules, and her account is restricted until she complies. I'd be happy to jump on the phone if helpful. My team in DC, Jessica and Lauren, are copied here and also available to discuss. Number 32, Karmna tries to regroup the conversation to the First Amendment mention, of which she is genuinely hard to find in the files. Ro, Karna to Gaddy, Ro, Karna, hope you're well, Vi, Vijosa, but this seems to be a violation of the First Amendment principles. If there is a hack of classified information or other information that could expose a serious war crime, and the New York Times was to publish it, I think the New York Times should have the right. A journalist should not be held accountable for legal actions of the source unless they actively aid the hack. So to restrict the distribution of the material, especially regarding a presidential candidate, seems not to be keeping on the principles of the NYT v. Civilian. I say that this is a total Biden partisan and convinced he didn't do anything wrong. But the story now has become more of a censorship than relatively nauseous emails. And it's becoming it's become a bigger deal than it would have been. It also ha is now leading to serious effects in court trail section 230, may of which would have been a mistake. I believe Twitter itself should not curtail, curtail what it recommends or it puts on trending news. And your policy against QAnon groups is it's is all good. It's hard to balance. But in a heat of a presidential campaign, restricting dissemination of newspaper articles, even if the New York Post is far right, seems like it will invite more backlash than it will do good. Please keep this communication just between us and Jack, and no need to CC the team or forward it to them. Just want to offer my two cents. Number 33, within a day, the head of policy, Lauren Culberstone, receives a ghostly letter report from Carl of the research firm NetChoice, which has already pulled 12 members of Congress, nine Republicans, and three Democrats from the House Judiciary Committee to rep Judy Cho's office. Yesterday, NetChoice's Chris Merchandise met informally with nine Republicans and three Democratic House staffers to gather intel about Facebook and Twitter and the New York Post story. The staffers hail from the House Judicial Committee to rep Ju Judy Crow's office. This system wasn't balanced. It was balanced on the contracts. Wait, I read that already. Okay. NetChoice lets Twitter know a blood path awaits it in upcoming Hill hearings with members saying that it is a tipping point, complaining tech has grown so big that they can't even regulate themselves. So government needs to intervene. High level takeaway. Every Republican said that this is a tipping point. It's just too much. And both Democrats and Republicans were angry. Um... Skudno reports to Twitter that some Hill figures are categorizing the laptop story as text access Hollywood moment. When asked about how bad the situation is, one staffer said it's text access Hollywood moment and it has no Hillary to hide behind. Others were more blunt. Tech is screwed and rightfully so. Twitter files continued. The First Amendment isn't absolute. Skudno's letter content 
contains chilling passages relying, relaying Democratic lawmakers' attitudes. They want more moderation, and as for the Bill of Rights, it's not absolute. The Democrats, meanwhile, complained that the companies are incept. They let conservatives muddy in the water and make Biden's, the Biden's laptop look corrupt, even though Biden is innocent. They linked to this to the Hillary Clinton's email scandal. She did nothing wrong because the press wouldn't let the story go. It became a scandal far out of proportion. In their minds, social media is doing the right thing. It doesn't moderate enough harmful content, so when it does, like it did yesterday, it becomes a story. If the companies moderated more, conservatives wouldn't even think to use media for disinformation, misinformation, or otherwise. The Democrats were in agreement social media needs to moderate more because they're corrupting democracy and making all truth relative. When pushed on how the government might insist on this, on that constant with the First Amendment, they demurred the First Amendment is not absolute, which obviously is a talking point. An amazing subplot of the Twitter slash Hunter Biden laptop affair was how much was done without the knowledge of CEO Jack Dorsey and how long it took for the situation to get un-effed. As one of the ex-employees put it, and after Dorsey jumped in, there are multiple instances in the files Dorsey intervening to question suspensions and other moderation access. An amazing subpart of the Twitter slash Biden laptop affair was how much would be done without the knowledge of CEO Jack Dorsey and how long it took for the situation to get unaffed. As one ex-employee put it, even after Dorsey jumped in, there are multiple instances in which files of Dorsey intervening to question suspensions in other moderation actions for accounts across the political spectrum. The problem with the hacked materials ruling, several sources said, was that this normally required an official-slash-law enforcement finding of a hack, but such a finding never appears throughout the one executive describes throughout what one executive describes as a whirlwind, 24-hour company-wide mess. Hi, Oles. As you probably were aware, Twitter actioned tweets yesterday re relating to two New York Post articles that were tweeted out that allegedly included pictures and screenshots of emails from a laptop that was allegedly belonged to Hunter Biden, political candidate Joe Biden's son. Our teams made this determination that the materials fall under our hacked materials policy, in addition for, to sharing personal information. So links were actioned. As you may know, this existing policy framework was launched in 2018 to my, 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 mitigate real-time harm based on hack and leak scenarios coming out of the 2016 election. Several high-profile accounts, including press outlets, were impacted by this decision and were actioned. Unfortunately, the language that was provided in the product would have created confusion, inciting the links were spam or unsafe. Constantly, Twitter safety explained that the reasoning here is a threat. This morning, the New York Post tweeted additional links to the story that contained pictures and screenshots of the emails that were also actioned. The teams determined that a Trump campaign tweet was previously was actioned for containing PPI would not be reactioned because it was retweeted without the PPI blurred. I know that there was there are some questions. I know that there are questions that you probably have and are probably going to get a lot incoming stakeholders, government, academical, 
academics, civil society, etc. The last 24 hours certainly have been a whirlwind with lots of curves and unknowns, and we fully expect the issues surrounding the matter will continue to swirl in the coming days, so thank you for everyone for your patience. It's been a whirlwind 96 hours for me. There's so much more to come, including answers to questions about the issues like shadow banning, boosting follower accounts, and fate of various, various individual accounts, and more. These issues are not limited to the political right. Good night, everyone. Thanks to everyone who has picked up the phone in the last few days. Starting off with this simple fact, I told you so. I told you that conservatives were being discriminated against, and we were all saying it for years, but nobody wanted to listen. Also, Elon Musk said that the reason why day one of the thread of the Twitter files took so long is because one of the people handing info over to these journalists was part of the FBI. They were going through all of the papers and internal letters and proofreading them and scanning them to make sure it didn't say anything he doesn't want it to say. Let's continue with Barry West, which is a journalist investigating Twitter files part two. Okay, so we're going to start with Barry West, which is B-A-R-I-W-E-I-S-S on Twitter if you want to look up her profile. So we're beginning. Thread, the Twitter files part two. Twitter's secret blacklists. So, a new hashtag Twitter files investigation reveals that teams of Twitter employees built blacklists prevent disfavored tweets from trending and actively limit the ability and visibility of entire accounts or even trending topics, all in secret without informing users. Number two, Twitter once had a mission to give everybody the power to create and share ideas and information instantly without barriers. It's their quotes, not mine. Along the way, barriers nonetheless were erected. Take for example, Stanford's Dr. J on Twitter, who argued that COVID lockdowns would harm children. Twitter secretly placed him on a trends blacklist, which prevented his tweets from trending. If you can see here, you can see that recent abuse strike, trends blacklist, and strike counts zero. You can see the account right here, so this is actually the back end of Twitter. Um, or consider the popular right-wing talk show host, Dan Bong Bongalo, who at one point was slapped with a search blacklist. And you can see notifications spike, search blacklist, Twitter blue verified multiple accounts, NSFWUSPMA, public enemy number one, which is his bio. So that's actually a true thing. If you're being actively um, search blacklisted, then yeah, you are public enemy number one. So his bio is actually correct. Twitter set the account of conservative activist Charlie Kirk to do not amplify. So you can see that on his account, he has a recent abuse strike, notification spike, multiple accounts, strike count number zero, do not amplify. And you, you can see all of these and then two others, which they, they didn't show. Twitter denied it does such things in 2018. Twitter's Viva Gade, then head of legal policy and trust in Kayvon Bikepour, head of the head of product, said, we do not shadow ban, they added, and we certainly do not shadow ban based off of political viewpoints of or ideology. That's her quotes, not mine, which that was a blatant, blatant lie looking back. What many people call shadow banning, Twitter executives and employees call 
visibility filtering, or VF. Multiple high-level sources confirmed its meaning. Think about visibility filtering as a way for us to suppress what people see to different levels. It's a very powerful tool, one senior employee told us. VF refers to Twitter's control over visibility. It is used it used VF to block searches for individual users to limit scope of particular tweets dis discoverability to block select users posts from ever appearing on the trending page and from inclusion on hashtag searches all without users knowledge we control visibility quite a bit and we control the implication of your content quite a bit and normal people do not know as much as we do one twitter engineer told us two additional twitter employees confirmed the group that decided whether to limit the search of certain users was a strategic response team, global escalations team, or SRTGET. It often handed up to 200 cases a day. But these existed a level beyond official ticketing, beyond the rank and file moderators following the company's policy on paper. That is the site integrity policy, policy escalation support, known as SIPPES. This secret group included head of legal policy and trust, Viva Gade, and the global, the global head of trust safety, Yul Roth, which we talked about last time, subsequent G CEOs, Jack Dorsey and Preg Argnall, and others. This is where the biggest, most political sensitive decisions got made. Think high follower count, con controversial, and Twitter employees told us for these, there would be no ticket or anything. One of these accounts rose to the level of sequidity was Libs of TikTok, an account that was on the trends blacklist and was designated as do not take action on user without consulting with SIPPES. That's exactly all of the stuff that they have on the top and as a huge warning. You can also see that um, on this on Libs of TikTok, you can also see notification spike, trends blacklist, recent abuse strikes, um, strike count two, Twitter blue verified, multiple accounts, high profile. You can you can see all of these. You can see that the identity is protected, and you can see that the IP address is protected. But you can see all of these other things. Um, the account which Cryo Richek began in 2020 November, and now boasts over 1.4 million followers, was subjected to six suspensions in 2022 alone. Richek said. Richick says, each time Richick was blocked from posting for as long as a week. Twitter reportedly informed Richick that she had been suspended for violating Twitter's policy against hateful content, but an internal SIP PES memo from October 2022, after her seventh suspension, the committee acknowledged that LTT has not directly engaged in behavior violative of hateful content policy. See here. If you could see here, site policy recommendation. Site policy recommends placing libs of TikTok LTT 1.3 million followers not verified in a seven-day timeout for at the level, meaning not for a specific tweet, based on the account's continued pattern of indirectly violating Twitter's hateful conduct policy by tweeting content that either leads or intends to incite harassment against individuals and instructs that support instructs institutes that support LGBTQ communities. At this time, site policy has not found explicitly in 
violative tweets, which would result in a permanent suspension of the account. This type of enforcement action, repeated seven-day timeouts at the account level, will not lead to permanent suspension. However, should LTT engage in any other direct tweet-level violations of any of the site's policies, we will move forward with permanent suspension. Assessment. Since its most recent timeout, while LTT has not indirectly has not directly engaged in behavior violative of the hateful content policy, the user has continued targeting individuals slash allies slash supporters of the LGBTQIA plus community, LGBTQIA community for alleged misconduct. The targeting of at least one of these institutions. So they're just targeting libs of TikTok because libs of TikTok is just posting all of these all of these libs that are on TikTok. What? How is that a bad thing? If you didn't want these things being out here, why are you even posting them at the very beginning? It just does not make sense. The committee justified her suspensions internally by claiming her posts engaged online harassment of hospitals and medical providers, that's their quotes, not mine, by insulting, insinuating that gender-affirming healthcare is equivalent to child abuse or grooming, which it is. Comparing this to what happened with Richick herself was doxxed on November 21, 2022, a photo of her home with her address was posted in a tweet that generated more than 10,000 likes. When Richick told Twitter that her address had been dismantled, she says Twitter support responded with this message. We re reviewed in the content and didn't find it to be viol in violation of the rules. No action was taken and the doxing tweet is still up. Hello, thanks for reaching out. We, re re we reviewed this content and didn't find it in violation of these rules. In this case, no action will be taken on this time. If you have further concerns about intellectual property, your privacy, or your personal safety, the following guidelines can be as of assistance. In internal Slack message, Twitter employees spoke of using technicalities to restrict the visibility of tweets and subjects. Here's Yul Roth, Twitter's then global head of trust and safety, in a direct message to a colleague in early 2021. Yul Roth, a lot of times, Sai has used technicality spam enforcements as a way to solve a problem created by safety under enforcement enforcing their policies which again isn't a problem per se but it keeps us from addressing the root cause of an issue with which is that which is that our safety policies need more attention six days later in a direct message with an employee on health misinformation privacy and identity and identity research team roth requested more research to support expanding non-removal policy interventions like disabling engagements and deamplification, visibility filtering, slash, slash visibility filtering. One of the biggest areas I'd love research support on is re non-removal policy interventions like disabling engagements and disamplification slash visibility filtering. The hypothesis hypothesis underlining much of what we've implemented is that if exposure to eg misinformation directly causes harm we should use remedications that reduce exposure and limiting the spread slash virality of content is a good way to do so is a good way to do that by just reducing prevalence overall we got jack on board by implementing this for civic integrity in our near term 
but we're going to need to make sure more robust case to get this into the reptosphere repetier of policy remedications, especially for other policy domains. So I love research research's point of view on that. Roth wrote, the hypothesis underlining much of what we've implemented is that if exposure to EG misinformation directly causes harm, we should use rep remedications that reduce exposure in limiting the spread slash virality of content in a good is a good way to do that. There is more to come on this story, which was reported by all of these people that she tagged and the team in the team, the free press. Keep up with the unfolding of the story here at our brand new website. So yeah, they do shadow ban because if you cannot search somebody and you have a search ban on your account, that's shadow banning because you cannot find the account. It's just so obvious, but obviously they call it something else. So let's dig into Bad Driver Spotlight is actually a um, segment that I have not yet done on this show, but I used to do it on my other podcast. So without further ado, let's dig in. So let's dig into Bad Driver Spotlight is actually a um, segment that I have not yet done on this show, but I used to do it on my other podcast. So without further ado, let's dig in. Okay, so digging right in, we actually have the Twitter files part three because we talked about part two and part one before but obviously you just watched part one and part two so let's talk about number three so this is from matt taibbi thread the twitter files the removal of donald trump part one october 2020 january 6 the world knows much of the story of what happened between the riots at the capitol on january 6 and the removal of the president of president donald trump from twitter on january 8th We'll show you what hasn't been revealed. The erosion of standards within the company in months before January 6th, decisions by high-ranking executives to violate their own policies and more against the backdrop of ongoing documented intervention interaction with federal agencies. This, this first installment covers the period before the election through January 6th. Tomorrow, Shalin Bernard, Bernard will detail the chaos inside Twitter on January 7th. On Sunday... Barry Wiss will reveal the secret intentional communications of the high key date of January 8th. Whatever your opinion on the decision to remove Trump that day, the internal communications at Twitter begin January 6th through January 8th have clear historical impact. Even Twitter's employees understand in this moment it was a landmark in the moment, it was a landmark moment in the animals annals of speech. And this is on 1626-48. So that means that it was at 4 o'clock, 426-48. Is this the first sitting head of state to ever be suspended? And I guess it is. As soon as they finished banning Trump, Twitter execs started processing new power. They prepared to ban future presidents in White Houses, perhaps even Joe Biden. The new administration says one exec, quote, will not be suspended by Twitter unless absolutely necessary. As stated in our help.twitter.com rules and policies, ban evasion, evasion policy, if it is clear that another account is being used for purposes of evading a ban, it is also subject to suspension. For government accounts, such as President of the United States and at White House, we will not suspend those accounts, but take will take action to limit their use. However, these accounts will be transitioned over to the new administration in due 
course and will not be suspended by Twitter unless absolutely necessary to alleviate real world harm. So obviously they're taking a little look at themselves and saying, wait a second, we have the power to ban the sitting president of the United States in the White House administration that it runs. So they actually have a really, 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 really huge power move done to them. And they have a really, really big head and inflated ego because of this. They can ban sitting presidents of the United States. And they're leaving room in this in their own policy. And they know they can use this for this specific reason. Twitter executives removed Trump in part over what one executive called as content surrounding, context surrounding actions of Trump and supporters over the course of the election, frankly, last four plus years. In the end, they booked at a broad picture, but that approach can cut both ways. This is the actual messages in, within Twitter. Hi, Vieira. Vieira. I'm working with Blink, Redicated. Redacted, I mean, on my team to put together a doc to share with you with a POV uh, point of view from research or academics with whom we have been working, etc. On DJT's, Donald J. Trump's language as coded incitement to further violence. In the meantime, here's a quick take. The decision on whether to pull that particular tweet or use as that as or use that as a last straw for Trump depends on many factors, including one, the overall context and narrative in which that tweet lives. We currently analyze tweets and consider them at a tweet by tweet basis, which does not appropriate, appropriately take into account the, their context surrounding. You can use the yelling fire into a crowded theater example, which leftists like to use because to say that our first amendment is not absolute. We absolutely can yell fire in a credit theater. We can absolutely do that. What government official is stopping us from doing so? We can do that. We have the ability to do so. Just like you, how you do have the ability to smack somebody across the face. Is it advised? No. Is there rules and replica replications, repercussions for your actions? Yes. So what is the point being made? That the government cannot force you to do one thing or not do another thing. They cannot tell you specifically what and what not to do. They can advise it. That's the point that they need to be making instead. Number two, the larger question is around our moral imposure and decision as a company, which our users sentiment should not drive based on number one, eradicated, redacted. And I believe that this his tweet does violate our rules when taking that historical context plus current climate into account. The bulk of the internal debate leading to Trump's ban took place in those three January days. However, the in intellectual framework was laid in the months preceding the Capitol riots. Before January 6th, Twitter had a unique mix of automated rules based off based enforcement and more subjective moderation by senior executives as Barry Wiss reported on um, the Twitter files part one, or part two, I mean, the film had a ver vast array of tools for manipulating visibility, most of all, most of all of which were thrown at Trump and others pre-January 6th. As the election approached, senior executives, perhaps under pressure from federal, federal agencies, with whom they met more as time progressed, increasingly struggled with rules and began to speak of bios, bios as pretext, pretext to do what they'd 
likely have done anyway. After January 6, internal Slack show Twitter executives getting a kick out of the out of intensified relationships with federal agencies. Here's trust and safety head Roll Roth lamenting a lack of generic enough calendar descriptions to concealing his quote very interesting meeting with, with partners. This is from Yoel Roth. Uh, it seems it. It happens. I'm a big believer in calendar transparency, but I reached a certain point where my meetings become, quote, very interesting to people and that and they weren't meeting names generic enough to cover. Anyway, let me know. Very boring business meeting. This is definitely not about Trump. Wink. Pretty much. He responds. Definitely not. Meeting with the FBI. I swear. LMAO. They responded. These internal reports are based on searches of ducks linked to include Roth, former trust and safety chief, Bio Gide, and recently plank walked Jeopardy general counsel and former top FBI lawyer, Jim Baker. One particular, one particular Slack channel offers in a unique window into the evolving thinking of top officials in late 2020 and early 2021. On October 8th, 2020, executives opened a channel called US 2020 XFN Enforcement. Through January 6th, this would become home for discussions about election-related removals, especially ones that involved, quote, high-profile accounts, often called VITs, or very important tweeters. Hey everyone, here, starting tomorrow, October 9th, until November 15th, the channel will be used for the following reasons related to the United States 2020 elections. Trends identified that require scale investigations, high-profile accounts, escalations that particularly potentially require PLL slash soft intervention, scalable solutions required edge cases of XFN consultation, highlight tech issues, bugs, tools, outages, um, JIRA tickets. This is enforcement channel between Trump and TWS to help speed up our response related to election issues over the coming weeks. Get will GET will start providing a handover starting APAC shift tomorrow, Friday, October 9th, using the following template, handover next shift, EMEA slash APAC slash NA, Thursday, October 8th, 2020, get SPSI, open escalations, none of, none. Notes from the shift ask, can you please make sure everyone on your team is within this channel? The teams that included as follows, site integrative, safety policy, product trust, safety operations, media ops, global escalations team. If you have any, uh, any questions or concerns, let me know. There was at least some tension between safety operations and a larger, a larger department whose staffers use more rules based processes for addressing issues like porn, scams, and threats, and a smaller, more powerful cadre of senior policy execs like Roth and Gaddy. The latter group was a high-speed Supreme Court moderation, issuing content rulings on the fly, often in minutes, based off of guesses, gut calls, and Google searches, even in most cases, even in some cases involving the president. So, hi everyone, received this escalation just now. Breaking news, 50,000 Ohio voters getting wrong absentee vote, vote ballots out of control a rigged election. This is actually a tweet that I saw at this moment, and I actually like this tweet at the moment. 
And they said, quote, a rigged election would be enough to be in violation, right? If a claim of fact was inaccurate, yes, but it looks like it's true. Ooh, so they've tried to fact check him, Trump, but they Google searched it real quick and they found out that it was true. So what are you going to do now? Are you going to say, well, he's saying true stuff. You're going to just keep checking the president of the United States every single day exactly when he tweets. This guy, Trump, as we all know, tweets like 20 times a day. You're just going to have a team dedicated to him. It just doesn't make any sense. During this team, executives were also clearly lasting with federal enforcement and intelligence agencies about moderation of election-related content. While we're still at the start of reviewing the Twitter files, we're finding out more as these investigations and interactions every day. Policy director Nick Pickles is asked if they if they should say Twitter detects misinfo enough ML human review in partnerships with outside experts. The employee asks, I know it's been a slippery process. Not sure if you want our public explanation on to hang on that. So let's just read that from the beginning. And Pickles, are you comfortable with marketing talking about misinfo by saying that we direct detect it through ML, human review, and partnerships with outside experts. I know it's been a slippery process, so I'm not sure if you want our public explanation to hang on hat on that. Can we just say, quote, partnerships? E.g., not sure we'd describe... Yes. You didn't tell me to get strawberries. No, uh, you said get the chocolate, and I said, do you want me to get anything else? And you said the moisturizer. You did not tell me to strawberries. You told me strawberries. No, you did not. No, you did not. No, you did not. Nah, I said that I said that I was in the aisle with the chocolate and I said, no, I'm not going to Walmart because I just waited 30 minutes in line. So I'm not going to Walmart. I don't care. That's not my problem. How? Nah, I was in Target. I called you. I said, did you want me to get you anything else? And you said, no, you hung up on me. That's not me. That's you. No, you did not. Yeah. When I picked you up from school at three. Oh, Lily. E.g., not sure if we'd describe the FBI slash Department of Homeland Security as experts or some NGOs that aren't academic. That's what Nick Pickles says. This post about Hunter Biden laptop situation shows that Roth not only met weekly with the FBI in DHS, but with the Office of Director of National Intelligence, DNI. Yoel Roth has checked in. Here's what they said. What's new for you since the last check-in? Hacked materials exploded. We blocked the NYP story, then we unblocked it, but said the opposite. Then said we unblocked it. And now we're in a messy situation where our policy is in shambles. Comms, in, comms is angry. Reporters think we're idiots and we're refactoring and exceedingly complex policy 18 days out from the election. In short, FML. Weekly sync with FBI slash DHS slash DNI re election security. The meeting happened about 15 minutes after the effort firm mentioned hacked materials implosion. The government declined to share anything useful when asked. Monthly meeting with FBI FITF briefed on several ongoing investigations. Roth report to FBI slash DHS slash DNI is almost factual fractional in itself. 
flattering tone. We blocked the NYP story, then unblocked it, but said the opposite. Comes is angry. Reporters think we're idiots. In short, FML, everybody knows what that means. Did he post that twice? I think he did. Um. Okay, so some Roth's letter, some of Roth, Roth's later slacks indicate his weekly confabs with federal law enforcement involved separate meetings. Here, he goes the FBI and DHS, respectively, to go first to an Aspen Institute thing, then take a call with Apple. Hey there, I missed the FBI slash DHS meetings today. Unfortunately, I saw you're on the invites for both as our site policy. Can you give me a quick readout if anything interesting that comes up? Sure thing, I hope that everything's okay. Yeah, just have conflicts at both times and Aspen Institute thing in the morning on vaccines that I have present, I have to present at, and then I call with Apple to avoid us getting kicked off the App Store during the DHS one. Oh, those both seem very important indeed. So why is Apple looking at Twitter to kick them off the App Store? Because you know why though? This is the exact reason. Because Apple is looking at Twitter and saying, you better not allow speech that we do not agree with. You better not allow free thinking and free thought. You better not do this because if you do, then we will kick you right off the app store and we will remind you exactly what our policies are. That's exactly what they're telling Yul Roth. The, here, the FBI sends reports about a pair of tweets, the second of which involves a former Tipperary County. Indiana counselor and Republican named John Bashton claiming between 2% and 25% of ballots by mail are being rejected for errors. The FBI's second report concerned this tweet by John Bashton. Editorial, the Democrats are in complete panic as their massive push for, quote, mail, vote by mail is backfiring on them. Two things are unfolding. One, an unexpected number of registered Republicans are returning to the returning ballots. Number two, between two and 25% of ballots by mail are being rejected for errors. The FBI flagged tweet then got circulated in the enforcement slack. Twitter cited PolitiFact to say the first story was proven to be false, then noted the second was already deemed no vio on numerous occasions. Uh, the group then decides to apply a Learn how voting is safe and secure label because one commenter says it's totally normal to have 2% error rate. Roth then gives the final go-ahead to the process inundated by the FBI. I think we can use a mail-in voting label for this one as is. Examining the entire election enforcement slack, we didn't see one reference to moderation requests from the Trump campaign, the Trump White House, or Republic's or Republicans generally. We looked, they may exist, but we were told to do. However, they are absent here. Okay, now let's move on to part four. This is the Twitter files part four, the removal of Donald Trump, January 7. As the pressure builds, Twitter executives build the case for a permanent ban. This is from Michael Schellenberg. On January 7th, senior Twitter execs create justifications to ban Trump, seek a change of policy for Trump alone, distinct from other political leaders, express no concern for the free speech or democracy implications of a ban. This quote, this hashtag Twitter files is reported with I Woodhouse, Legion Woodhouse. Oops, I lost it here. Okay. Um, For those catching up, please see part one, part two. Oh, oh my God, I keep doing the same thing.
Why is Twitter doing this? As soon as I scroll down, it like exits out. Doesn't want me to read it. For years, Twitter has re restated calls to ban Trump, blocking a world leader from Twitter, it wrote in 2018, would hide important info and hamper necessary discussion around their words and actions. But after the events of January 6th, the internal and external pressure on Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey grows. Former First Lady Mike Michelle Obama, tech journalist Christina Christero Wisher, ADL, high-tech VC Chris Secca, and many others publicly call on Twitter to permanently ban Trump. Chris Secca, you've got blood on your hands, Jack, and Zuck. For four years, you've rationalized this terror, inciting violent treason is not a free speech excuse if you work at those companies it's on you shut it down and this is from michelle obama now it's time for silicon valley companies to stop enabling this monstrous behavior and go even farther than they already have by permanently banning this man from their platforms and putting in place policies to prevent their technology from being used by the nation's leaders to fuel insurrection and whether to apply warning labels on tweets and strikes on users here are typical examples U.S. Association, we are trying to understand the one-offs decision here. On Friday, November 6th, by quote, oh, there's always abuse one-off. Bounce one-off is the option. Recall from Twitter Files Part 2 by Barry Wiss that according to Twitter staff, we control visibility quite a bit and we control the amplification of the content quite a bit. And normal people do not know as much as we do. Twitter employees recognize a difference between their own policies of politics and Twitter's terms of service, but they also engage in complex inter interpretations of context in order to stamp out the prohibited tweets as a series of exchanges over the stop the steal hashtag to reveal. Hey, hope you're doing okay and we're able to get some sleep. Can we or have we already discussed blocking the stop the steal hashtag? It's furthering fake news in a dangerous way from what I can tell. Hey there, we're proactively surfacing the content for review under civic integrity and it should be blocked for my type ahead in trends. If you're seeing it, it's either by a ladder or ladder two. Let me know ASAP and PT can fix it. I saw the hashtag and did not search on it, and all the context was appalling. So I don't think it's showing up elsewhere. Thank you for all that you're doing. Hmm. I'll flag to the election squad. Remember that what I find appalling is what is a TOS, VIO, or not the exa an exact overlap. Heh. Yol Roth responds. Yol Roth immediately DMs a colleague to ask what they add stop the steal in QAnon conspiracy term. Kraken to a blacklist of terms to be de-amplified. Roth's colleagues objected objects to that hashtag black tag, but that blacklisting quote stop the steal risk de-amplifying counter speech and violates the election. Yeah, no, there's a lot of going on. Any observe objections to acting stop the steal in Kraken to the C H A Q terms list if they are there already. The daylight spreading Q and stop the steal stuff now is effectively zero. Kraken for sure if it's not already on there. I'm too worried about the risk of de-amplifying counter speech with stop the steal act. Yol Roth responds. Indeed, notes Roth's colleagues. A quick search of top stop the steal tweets in their counter speech, but they quickly come up with a solution. De-amplify accounts with stop the steal in the name slash profile since 
those are not affiliated with CounterSpeech. Yeah, I just did a quick search of the top the steel stop the steals tweets in their CounterSpeech. Kraken, I'm comfortable with. Top tweets are generally queue related, and I'm noticing an absence of CounterSpeech. It's also a super super common on profiles. Actually, we can deamplify accounts with stop the steal in the name slash profile level. Those aren't affiliated with CounterSpeech. But it turns out that even blacklisting Kraken is less straightforward than they thought. That's because Kraken, in addition to being a QAnon conspiracy theory based on mythical Norwegian sea monster, is also the name of a cryptocurrency exchange and thus allow listed. Also, I think adding Kraken to a various bot may be broken or something. No, you're oh, 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 but for when you're back. Oh, guys, I removed Kraken the other day, FYI. It did break something. There's an app called Kraken app or something. If we allow list that, no concerns about putting it back, but would want to see if there's other FPs. The brand Kraken account is allow listed. F-W-I-W. Yeah, it's a crypto exchange. Employees struggle with whether to push users to share screenshots of Trump's deleted January 6 tweets. We should bounce these tweets with a strike given the screenshot violates the policy. They're also criticizing Trump, so I am a bit hesitant with applying a strike to this user. Hey team, should we bounce people sharing Trump actioned tweets as one-off things? We should bounce tweet these tweets with a strike given the screenshot violates the policy. They are commenting and criticizing Trump, so I am a bit hesitant with applying the strike to this user. Yo, yeah, totally, because of this person says, F off, oh my god, even Twitter says it's inciting violence. How? Trump says these are the things in events that happen when a scared landslide of election victory is so unceremoniously and victoriously striped away from a great patriots who have been badly and unfairly treated for so long. Go home with love and in peace. Remember this day forever. How is that inciting violence? How? How is that inciting violence? All he said was go home in peace. Go home in peace is not inciting violence at all. What if a user dislikes Trump and objects to Twitter's censorship? The tweet still gets deleted, but since the in intention is not to deny the election result, no push punishing strike is applied. If there are instances where the in intent is unclear, please feel free for to raise. I'm in agreement on off works for commentary strike if a tweet is agreed with tweet's view. What if it's neutral? Sharing opinion like told you it violates Twitter policy. Tweet delete only? I would agree with tweet delete only on agreeing with the policy. Can I get your opinion here? Would agree on delete only in instances where the content is not shared with abusive intent. Thanks everyone. Thursday, January 7th, 2021. These are instances where the intent is unclear. Please feel free to review. Around noon, a confused senior executive in advertising sales sends a DM to Roth. Sales exec Jack says, it, we will permanently suspend Trump if our policies are violated after a 12-hour account lock. What policies is Jack talking about? Roth, any policy violation. Hey, yo, I have a question. Re-Twitter safety thread. Re-President of the United States in Jack's email. Jack says, we will permanently suspend if our policies are violated after a 12-hour account lock. What policies is Jack talking about? Is spreading misinfo a violation like his past tweets about election? Or is it more about a tweet inciting violence? I'm asking because we are getting tons of calls in from my clients following FB slash IG decision. 
So some clarity would be great. Thanks. Hey, JP, for internal awareness, this would be an quote, any policy violation, not just limited to elections, but before sharing anything, please coordinate with blank on the common side. Obviously, a ton of interest in our position on this would to want to be ensured we stay aligned. What happens next is essential to understanding how Trump justified banning Trump. Sales exec, we are dropping the public interest policy now. Roth, six hours later, in this specific case, we are changing our public interest approach for this account. This ad exec is referring, is referring to Twitter's policy of public interest exemptions, which allows the context of elected officials, even if it violates Twitter's rules. If it directly contributes to understanding or discussion of a matter of public concern. At present, we limit exceptions, exceptions to one critical type of public interest content. Tweets from elected and government officials. Given the significant public interest in knowing and being able to discuss their actions and statements, Roth pushes for a permanent suspension of Rep. Matt Garrett's even though it doesn't quite fit anywhere. Duh. It's kind of a test case for the rationable for banning Trump. I'm trying to talk Twitter's safety team info. Removal as a conspiracy that incites violence. Around 2.30, Commons, ex around 2 Commons execs DM Roth to say that they don't want to make it a big deal of the QAnon ban to the media because they fear... Quote, if we push this, it looks like we're trying to offer up something in place of the thing everybody wants, meaning a Trump ban. On to part five. Part five, Barry Wiss thread. The Twitter files part five, the removal of Trump from Twitter. On the morning of January 8th, President Trump, with one remaining strike before being at risk for a permanent suspension from Twitter, tweets twice. 6.46 a.m. The 75 million great American patriots who voted for me, American first and make America great again, will have a giant voice long into the future. They will not be disrespected or treated unfairly in any shape, way, or form. On 7.44 a.m., to those who have asked, I'm not going to the inauguration on January 20th. For years, Twitter has restricted calls both internally and externally to ban Trump on the grounds that blocking a world leader from the platform or removing their con con controversial tweets would hide important information that people should be able to see in debate. Our mission is to provide a forum that enables people to be informed and to engage their leaders directly. The company wrote in 2019, Twitter's aim was to protect the pu public's right to hear from their leaders and to hold them to account. But after January 6th, as Matt Taibbi and Sharon Bermond have the documented have documented pressure grew both inside and outside of Twitter to ban Trump. There was discussions in discussions dissenters inside of Twitter. Maybe because I am from China, said one employee on January seventh. I deeply understand how censorship can destroy the public conversation. Maybe because I'm from China. Okay, that's exactly what I said. I understand this fear, but I also think it's important to understand that censorship by the government is very different than censorship of a of the government. The First Amendment and the United States in similar legislation in other countries with similar concepts exists specifically to prevent the government from silencing people. I respect that, but re realistically, we impose far stricter rules on effectively everyone else on the platform. We stated labeling restricting his tweets from 
when they become a threat to democracy. It seems like that we were was our red line yesterday. He clearly attempted to overthrow a democratic system of government and showed no signs of remorse. It's not clear a clear reason to suspend him again as an unhinged ruler attempting to subvert the most powerful democracy in the world. I'm not sure that would be, quote, shrug one. But voices like that one appear to have been dis distinct minority within the company. Access Slack's channels made Twitter employees were upset that Trump hasn't been banned either. After January 6th, Twitter employees organized to demand their employer ban Trump. There is a lot of employee adversary happening, said one Twitter employee. I'm still struggling to understand the decision to not ban Trump altogether, given he is inciting people to violence that had led to people being killed. And I think that we owe people an explanation extern ex externally. Externally, this is an elephant. This is the elephant in the room. It feels like Twitter policy is engaged with someone acting in bad faith and we won't acknowledge it. Do we have any belief that Trump will stop tweeting incitements to violence? If Alex Jones was shut down for get your battle rifles, he's far exceeded that standard. I think a lot of employees must share their concerns. Is there any sort of channel or group where we can organize this action? There's a lot of employee advocacy happening both in here and Q2BA2MU. I understand he was our president and that he may have been the reason why we are were hesitant to do it, but I think come January 20th, there's absolutely no excuse why his account shouldn't be suspended for good. I have friends with 1,000 followers that we, the last sentence, we have to do the right thing here and ban the account. The last sentence, we do, okay, that's the same exact thing. Um, we don't have a good track record of acting on this account, except in the clearest and most expl explicit of cases, and even then. IMO extraordinary circumstances demand extraordinary leadership. It took three years, but I've lost faith. faith. Actual votes. Donald Trump, Republican Party, 46.9% second this. It's pretty obvious he's going to try to thread the needle of incitement while not violating the rules. So if he's not violating the rules, why would you ban him on Twitter? In the early afternoon of January 8th, the Washington Post po published an open letter signed by over 300 Twitter executives to CEO Jack Dorsey demanding Trump's ban. We must examine Twitter's complacency in what President-elect Biden what has rightly teamed, termed insurrection. But the thing is that it's not their it's not their right to decide what is an insurrection and what's not an insurrection. The thing is that you do not have the right to ban a sitting president of the United States. And also, if you and 300 employees signed a letter demanding that I do a certain thing and I was the head of Twitter, I would say, no, you're fired. Every single person, who's this? Oh, all of these people signed, you're all fired. Bye. You don't tell the boss what to do. But the Twitter staff assigned to uh, evaluate tweets quickly concluded that Trump had, quote, not violated Twitter's policies. I think that we've had a hard time saying this, that this is incitement, wrote one staffer. It's pretty clear he's saying the American patriots are the ones who voted for him and not the terrorists. We call them that. We call them that right from Wednesday. Another staffer agreed. We don't see the incitement angle here. I also am not seeing clear or coded incitement of in the D Donald J. Trump tweet, wrote Analika Narvarani, 
a Twitter policy official, I'll respond to the elections channel and say that our team has assessed and found no vios or violations for the Donald J. Trump one. She does at just that. As an FYI, safety has assented the Donald J. Trump tweet above and determined that there is no violation of our policies at this time. Later, Naravani would testify to the January House, the House January 6th committee. For months, I have been begging and anticipating and attempting to raise the reality that if nothing, we made no intervention that what I saw occurring, people were going to die. So they, he, she lied to the House of Representatives. Next, Twitter's safety team decides that Trump's 7.44 a.m. Eastern Time tweet is not a, in violation. They're unequivocal. It's a clear no violation. It's just to say he's not attending the inauguration. To understand Twitter's decision to ban Trump, we must consider how Twitter deals with other heads of state and political leaders, including Iran, Nigeria, and Ethiopia. In June 2018, Iran's Ali Khamenei tweeted, Israel is magnificent, magnificent, malignant, calcareous tumor in the West Asian religion has that has to be removed and eradicated. It is possible and it will happen. Twitter neither deleted nor banned Khalil Tolio. On October 2020, the former prime minister, the former Malaysian, Malaysian prime minister said it was a right for Muslims to kill millions of French people. Twitter deleted the, thwe- the, treat, the tweet for glorifying violence, but he remains on the platform. The tweet below was taken from the Wayback Machine. The president of Nigeria incited violence against pro-biofria groups. Those of us in the fields for 30 months who went through the war, through the war, he wrote, will treat them in the language they understand. Twitter deleted the t- tweet, but didn't ban Berea. On October 2021, Twitter allowed Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiyan to call on citizens to take up against the Nigerian regime. Twitter al- allowed the tweet to remain up. It did not ban the Prime Minister. In early February 2021, Prime Minister Narendra Modi's government threatened to arrest Twitter employees in India and to incarcerate them for up to seven years after they restored hundreds of accounts that have been a, been cr- critical for them. Twitter did not ban Modi, but Twitter executives did ban Trump, even though key staffers said that Trump had no not incited violence and not even in not in a coded way. Less than 90 minutes after Twitter employees have determined that Trump's tweets are were not in violation of Twitter's policy, Viola Gaddy, Twitter's head of legal policy and trust, asked whether it could be, in fact, the coded incitement for further violence. A few minutes later, Twitter employees on the, quote, scaled enforcement team suggest that Trump's tweets may have violated Twitter's glorification of violence policy. If you interpreted the phrase American Patriots to refer to rioters, things escalate from there. Members of the team came to view him as the leader of the terrorist group responsible for violence, deaths, comparable to Christian Christ Church shooter in on or Hitler. And on the basis and on the total totality of the tweets, he should be deplatformed. Two years two hours later, Twitter executives host a 30-minute all-staff meeting. Jack Dorsey and Viata Gaddy 
answer staff questions as to why Trump hasn't been banned yet, but they make some employees angrier. Multiple tweets, Twitter employees, have quoted the banality of evil suggesting that people impl implementing our policies are like Nazis following orders. But that is exactly when Jack Dorsey said, well, that's exactly when Jack Dorsey should have been like, no, if you're going to sit here and say that you are like Nazis following orders, then no, you're fired. Don't call me a Nazi. Like, it's just stupid. You're a worker for the boss. You need to follow what the boss says. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. The Twitter files, part six. And now let's move on to the Twitter files, part six. Twitter, the FBI, so substationary. The Twitter files are reviewing more every day about how the government collects, analyzes, and flags your social media content. Twitter's content contract with the FBI was constant and pervasive, as if it was substationary. Between Trump 2020 and November 2022, there were over 150 emails between the FBI and former Twitter trust and safety chief Joel Roth. Some are mundane like San Francisco agent Elvis Chain wishing Roth a happy new year along with a reminder to attend our quarterly call next week. Others are requests for information about Twitter's users related to active investigations, but a su surprisingly high number of requests by the FBI for Twitter to take action on election misinformation, even involving joke tweets from lower follower accounts. The FBI Social Media Focus Task Force, known as FTIF, created in the wake of 2016 election, swelled to 80 agents and corresponds with Twitter identity and alleged foreign interference in election tampering of all kinds. Federal intelligence and law enforcement reached into Twitter's included the Department of Homeland Security, which partnered with security contractors and think tanks to pressure Twitter to moderate context. It is no secret that the government analyzes bulk data for all sorts of purposes, including everything from taking terror suspects to making economic forecasts. The Twitter files show something new. Agents like the FBI and DHS regularly send social media content to Twitter, though multiple entry points pre-flagged for moderation. What stands out is the sheer quality quantity of reports from the government. Some are um, aggregate aggregated from public hotlines from this one right here fbi el paso election day protocol for fbi headquarters is not is to stand up for the national election commons post which provides a centralized location for accessing election related threats status reports and complaints excuse me status re, re, status reports and complaints are tracked have a tip send it to tips.fbi.gov or if one 915-832-5000. An unanswered question. Do agencies like FBI or DHS do in-house flagging work themselves or farm it out? You have to prove to me that inside the government, you can do any kind of massive data or AI search, says one former intelligence officer. Hello, Twitter contacts. The master canine quality of the FBI's relationship to Twitter comes through this in this November 2020 email in which FBI San Francisco is notifying you. It wants action on four accounts. Best regards, FBI San Francisco. Twitter personnel in the case went to unlook for some reasons to suspend all four accounts, including FOMA, whose tweets are almost all jokes. See example below, including his civic 
misinformation of November 8th. Clowns to the left, jokers to the right. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. I want to remind Republicans to vote tomorrow, Wednesday, November 9th. Pro um, proposed container ship if the worldwide recession. And this is, these are very funny, actually. Like, there's nothing wrong with these. They're just mad because it's the truth. Just to show FBI can be hyper in intrusive in both directions, they also asked Twitter to review a blue-leaning account for a different joke. Except here, it was even more obvious that Clear Froster PDH, PhD, who kids are a lot, was kidding. I'm a ballot counter in my state. If you're not wearing a mask, I'm not counting your vote. Safety first. For every negative comment on this post, I'm adding another vote to the for the Democrats. Anyone who cannot discern obvious satire from reality has no place making decisions for others for working on for for the feds, said Claire Foster PDH. PhD, I mean, when told about the flagging. Of the six accounts mentioned in the previous two emails, all but two, Claire Foster PhD and from math, were suspended. In an internal email from November 5th, 2022, the FBI's natural National Election Commons post, which complies and sends on complaints, sent the FSF field office a long list of accounts that may warrant additional action. Agent Chain passed on the list to the Twitter folks. Twitter then replied to its list of actions taken. No mercy shown to actor Billy Baldwin. Many of these above accounts were satirical in nature. Nearly all, with the exceptions of Baldwin and RSB Network, were respectively low engagement, and some were suspended, most with a generic thanks letter. Hello, we're writing to you to let you know that we've received your appeal and your account features will remain locked or limited for the allotted time or pending completion of the assigned task due to violations of the Twitter rules, attempted voter suppression, including attempted voter intimidation or providing false information about voting or registered to vote, or any unlawful activity is prohibited under the rules. You can review these guidelines here. Thanks, Twitter. When told of the FBI flagging, Lex, Lexitori, Lexid Laura replied, my thoughts in, initially include one, seems like prima facie, 1A violation 2. Holy cow, me, an account with the reach of an Amla 3. What else? What else can you be looking? What else are they looking at? I can't believe the FBI is policing jokes on Twitter. That's crazy, said Tiberius444. In a letter former to former Deputy General Counsel and former top FBI lawyer Jim Baker on September 16, 2022, legal execs Stacia Cardinal outlines re results from her soon-to-be-weekly meeting with DHS, DOJ, FBI, in the Office of Director National Intelligence. The Twitter execs writes she explicitly asked if there were impediments to the sharing of classified information with industry. The answer, FBI was adamant no impediments to sh sharing exist. The passage underscores the unique one big happy family vibe between Twitter and the FBI. With the other firm would with what other firm would be the FBI birthingly agreed to no implications to classified information. At the bottom of the letter, she lists a series of escalations apparently raised on the meeting which were already handed handled. Quote handled. 
About one, she writes, flagged a specific tweet on Illinois' use of mid-modems to trans transmit election results and possible violation of the civic integrity policy, except they do not use, they do use tech in limited circumstances. Another internal letter from January 2021 shows Twitter execs processing the FBI list for possible violative content. Here, too, most tweets contained the same, get out there and vote Wednesday, trope, and had low engagement. This is what the FBI spends its time on. So Cuomo wants to imprison suspected COVID carriers, force vac vaccinations without due process, things power-hungry redmen would do. Real Donald Trump. This is our future, guys, if the Dems get full control. If you are in Georgia, you better vote Wednesday. In March 2021, email from FBI Lesion thanks a senior Twitter exec for the chance to speak to, quote, you and the team, then delivers a pocket of products. And now we're going to be reading part seven, so join me. Okay, continuing with the Twitter piles, Continuing with the Twitter files part seven, the FBI and Hunter Biden laptop, how the FBI and, and intelligence community discredited factual information about Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings, both after and before the New York Post revealed the contents of his laptop on October 14th, 2020. In Twitter files number six, we saw the FBI relentlessly, relentlessly, relentlessly seek to exercise influence over Twitter, including over its content, its users, and its data. In Twitter files number seven, we, prevent, we present evidence pointing to an organized effort by rep representatives of the intelligence community, IC, aimed at senior executives at news and social media companies to discredit leaked information about Hunter Biden before and after it was published. The story begins in December, 2019, when a Delaware computer store owner named John Paul, J.P., Mac Isaac contacts the FBI about a laptop that Hunter Biden had left with him. On December 9th, 2019, the FBI is issues a subpoena for and takes Hunter Biden's laptop. This is actually the picture of it right here. Oh, come on, Cletus. Okay, so that is the Hunter Biden over here. Quote number, district court. And attachment A. By August 2020, Mac Isaac still had not heard back from the FBI, even though he had discovered evidence of criminal activity. And so he emails Rudy Giuliani, who was under FBI surveillance at the time. In early October, Giuliani gives it to the New York Post. Shortly, after, shortly before 7 p.m. on October 13, Hunter Biden's lawyer, George Mercuries, emails J.P. Mac Isaac. Hunter and Misseries had just learned from the New York Post that its story about the laptop would be published the next day. Thank you for speaking with me tonight. As I indicated, I am a lawyer for Hunter Biden, and I appreciate you reviewing your records on the matter. Thank you, George. That's the, pop that's the partner. At 9.22 p.m., 6.22 p.t., FBI Special Agent Elvis Chain sends 10 documents to Twitter's then- head of site integrity, Yul Roth, through Teleporter, a one-way communications channel from the FBI to Twitter. Heads up, I will send. I will be sending a Teleporter link 
for you to download 10 documents. It's not spam. Please confirm receipt when you get it. Thanks. That's the National Security FBI of San Francisco. Reviewed and downloaded. Thanks. That's Yul Roth. The next day, October 14, 2020, the New York Post runs its explosive story revealing the business dealings of President Joe Biden's son, Hunter. Every single fact in it was accurate. And yet, within hours, Twitter and other social media companies censored the New York Post article, preventing it from spreading and, more importantly, undermining its credibility in the minds of many Americans. Why is that? What exactly happened? On December 2nd, Matt Taibbi described the debate inside Twitter over its decision to censor a wholly accurate email, I mean article. Since then, we have discovered new info that points to an organized effort by the Intel community to influence Twitter and other platforms. That's on the thread number one. First, it's important to understand that Hunter Biden earned tens of millions of dollars in contracts with foreign businesses, including ones linked to Chinese government for which Hunter offered no real work. Here's an interview, journalist Peter Witzer. So this whole entire thing is 10 minutes long, but that's very interesting. And yet, during the 2020, the FBI and other law enforcement agencies repeatedly print primed Yul Roth to discuss reports of Hunter Biden's laptop as a Russian hack or leak operation. This is from a sworn declaration by Roth giving on December 2020. Since 2018, I have regular meetings with the Office of Director of National Intelligence, Department of Homeland Security, and the FBI. The intelligence peer, the industry peers regarding election and security. During these weekly meetings, the federal law enforcement agencies communicated that they expect hack and leak operations by state actors that might occur in period in the period shortly before the 2020 presidential election, likely in October. I was told in these meetings that the intelligence community expected the individuals associated with the political campaigns would be subject to hacking attacks, and the materials obtained through those hacking attacks would most likely be discredited over social media platforms, including Twitter. These expectations of hack and leak operations were discussed throughout 2020. I have learned, I have learned in these meetings that they were rumors of the hack and leak operation would involve Hunter Biden. They did the same thing to Facebook. According to CEO Mark Zuckerberg, the FBI basically came to us and was like, hey, you should be on high alert. We thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. That's about to be some kind of dump similar to that. Where the FBI warnings of Russian hack and leak operation regarding the to Hunter Biden based on any new intel? No, they weren't. Through our investigations, we did not see any similar competing inter, inter, intersections to what had happened in 2016, admitted FBI agent Elvis Chain in November. And these are the documents here. Very interesting stuff indeed. Twitter executives repeatedly reported very little Russian activity. Example, on September 24th, 2020, Twitter told FBI that it removed 345 largely inactive accounts linked to previous coordinated Russian hacking attempts. They, quote, had little reach and low follower accounts. In fact, Twitter debunked false claims of journalists of foreign influence on its platform. We haven't seen any evidence to support the claim by NBC News foreign control bots or review thus far shows a small-scale um, domestic troll effort. After FBI asked about the WAPA story on alleged foreign influence in a pro-Trump tweet, 
Twitter Roth, Twitter's Roth says the article makes a lot of ins in insinuations, but we saw no evidence that was the case here. And in fact, a lot of strong evidence pointing in the other direction. It's not the first time that Twitter's Roth pushed back against the FBI. In January 2020, Roth reinstated FBI's efforts to get Twitter to share data outside of the normal search warrant process. Pressure had been growing. We have been, we have seen sustained, if uncoordinated, effort by the IC intelligence community to push us to share more info and change our API policies. They are probing and pushing everywhere they can, including by whispering to con congressional staff. Time and time again, FBI asks Twitter for evidence of foreign interference, and Twitter responds that they are finding anything worth reporting. We haven't yet identified activity that we'd typically refer to you or even flag as interesting in foreign influence context. Despite Twitter's pushback, the FBI repeatedly requests information from Twitter that Twitter has already been made clear that it will not share outside the normal legal channels. Then, in tw July 2020, the FBI's Elvis chain arrives for temporary top-secret security clearances for Twitter executives so that the FBI can share information about threats for the upcoming elections. On August 20 11, 2020, the FBI's chain shares information with Twitter's growth relating to Russian hacking organization APT28 through the FBI's score, a secure one-way communications channel teleporter. Recently, Yul Roth told Kerry Wisher that he had been primed to think that the Russian hacking group APT28 before news of the Hunter Biden laptop came out. When it did, Roth said, it, I set off, it set off every single one of my finely tuned APT28 hack and leap campaign alarm bells. Yeah, that's that. In August 2020, FBI chain acts asks twitter does anybody know there have there have top secret clearance when somebody mentions jim baker chain responds i don't know how i forgot him an odd claim given chain's job is to monitor twitter not to mention that they work together at the fbi whose is jim baker he's formal general consul of the fbi 2014 to 2018 one of the most powerful men in the United States intel community, Binker, has moved in and out of the government for 30 years, serving stints at CNN Bridgewater, a $140 billion assessment manage management firm, and Brookings. As general counsel of the FBI, Baker played a counsel role in making the case internally for the investigation of Donald Trump. Baker wouldn't only be senior FBI executive involved in the Twitter investigation to go to Twitter, Darren Burden, the former department chief of staff to FBI, had James Comey, who indicted the investigation of Trump, joined Twitter in 2018 as director of strategy. As of 2020, there were so many former FBI employees, Brew alumni, working at Twitter that have been created their own private Slack channels to crib sheet on, to onboard new FBI rivals. Efforts continued to influence Twitter's Yul Roth, in September 2020, Roth participated in the Asian Institute tabletop experience on a political hack-and-dump operation relating to Hunter Biden. The goal was to shape how the media covered it and how social media carried it. The organizer was Villain Scroller. 
the former CEO of NPR, former head of news at Twitter, and general manager of New York Times, former chief digital officer of NBC News. Attendee included Meta slash Facebook's head of security policy and the top not secure, um, security reporters of for New York Times and WAPO and others. See, that's the end of this one, but there's a comment that I wanted to touch base on. I have three questions. Why would the Hunter Biden, why would Hunter abandon his laptop with the repair shop? Because he forgot about it. He's just stupid. Number two, since when is it acceptable for a computer repair shop to read the emails and files on the um, customer's computer? They didn't. They waited a year. He didn't show it up. So they went on it to try to find a name. And then they went to the FBI and said, oh, this is Hunter Biden's story. Who gave the order to the FBI to bury the story? The story? It doesn't really matter. I mean, it kind of does, but it doesn't matter. All that matters is they actually did. So if they give any orders to cover up the story from the Joe Biden administration, then the Joe Biden administration is covering up our First Amendment right. And they also are um they also are looking at it and saying listen we don't want this out because it's going to hurt us politically in the midterms it, or the election and more more generalized yes it is going to hurt you in the in the general election but it, you actually ended up winning joe biden so i don't know how much it actually hurt you now that's going to be it for this episode but stick with me because we will have a bonus episode on sunday which is christmas thank you all for watching and i hope they have a great rest of your day bye Hey, 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 were you really going to click off this video before leaving a like and subscribing down below? Wow, so rude.